Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Later in the show, we're going to talk with Robert Allen, a reporter at the Detroit Free Press, who was at Standing Rock uh, in North Dakota when Army Corps of Engineers rejected permit plans for the pipeline. He was covering it for the Free Press. We're going to talk to him about what it was like to be there, uh, what the protests looked like, and uh, what that issue seems like it is uh, headed for next. Also, today from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Urban Consulate in Detroit, you can join us in the parlor there to talk and hear about our new podcast, Created Equal. Uh, Created Equal is a podcast that looks at modern issues of inequality through the lens of history and storytelling. Uh, I will be there with our producer on Detroit Today, Laura Weber Davis, who is the executive producer of Created Equal. We'll be there to listen to some expert excerpts from uh, the podcast and to talk with you about uh, the podcast and about these issues. So five to seven today at the Urban Consulate, you can RSVP online at the Urban Consulate. Uh, But first, uh, evidence is mounting that Russia used computer hackers to influence our presidential election. American spy and law enforcement agencies all agree on that point. They just haven't reached a consensus on what Russia's motive was. The best case scenario is that the Kremlin wanted to create chaos and confusion around the election. Worst case scenario, and what the CIA seems to be concluding, is that Russia wanted to install Donald Trump as president. This is an unprecedented and disturbing situation. What does it mean that a foreign rival can have this much influence in our political situation or aspired to? And how does America respond to these revelations? What does it mean in terms of the way we ought to think about the election? And what does it mean in terms of the relationships we will have between this country and Russia going forward? I'm going to spend most of the program today talking about this issue. And, of course, we want to hear from you about it. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think about the prospect of Russian interference in the American election. Does this make you doubt the outcome of the election? Does this make you question whether Donald Trump won the election fairly? And if so, what do you think we ought to do about that? How should we respond domestically to the idea that perhaps our election was not conducted fairly and without foreign interference? Also, what do you think about what that says about our relationship with Russia, a very complicated relationship that involves not just uh, issues between these two countries, but uh, proxy uh, issues through the Middle East and other areas of the globe also at stake. Again, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today try to work your comments into the conversation. And joining me now to discuss this issue uh, are Shane Goldenbacher, who is a senior political reporter at Politico. Shane, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And Aaron Reddish is a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. He joins us frequently to talk uh, about Russia. Aaron, welcome back to the program as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, I want to start with you. Uh, The big question on my mind since this broke is who I should believe 
or and what I should believe. I mean, I, some of this seems really outlandish and and not terribly believable, I guess. Uh, the idea that the Russians interfered in our election. At the same time, it's the CIA that's saying that they did. And so I guess I'm inclined to say, well, uh, they would know if that happened and they would be uh, uh, in a lot of trouble, for instance, if they were making that up. So, uh, And then Donald Trump and John Bolton, one of his uh, close advisors, is, are both saying, yeah, this didn't happen. This is something that uh, is being made up by Democrats and maybe by the White House itself to cast doubt on uh, a legitimate election. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of accusations being made. There are a lot of uh, 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 conflicting bits of information coming out. What, what's the truth here? So uh, it is. I mean, I guess we should wait to see uh what happens when, if the CIA actually does release evidence. And that's the problem with uh, cybersecurity and with hacking is that we don't have necessarily have the exact information as, as a historian. And, you know, I'm always reluctant to make these conclusions without kind of material evidence. Sure. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, there is a pattern of Russian government and also hackers within Russia, and I think we need to keep the two separate, of engaging in hacking and, and uh, cyber warfare. Uh, 2007, uh, the Russian government attacked, uh, the, uh, attacked Estonia. 2008, right before uh, the war with Georgia, they attacked the prime minister of Georgia's um, uh, uh, website. Uh, in 2014, um, Russia, the Russian military went after the Ukrainian uh, internet. Uh, the following year, when it actually got into the elections in, in Ukraine, most notably, it uh, for the United States, it tapped into um, to U.S. foreign um, to the embassy's uh, uh, phone. So there is there is a pattern. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, WikiLeaks, as well as the Putin regime, also has uh, animosity toward Clinton, toward Hillary Clinton. That doesn't mean that they actually did it, uh, nor does it mean that, uh, most importantly, that they were trying to make Trump win. Um, so these are, I mean, motives we do not know for sure right now. I think that's an important point to say up front. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, give us a, a, a sort of quick primer on the, the political landscape here in Washington. Uh, what is being talked about in terms of, uh, A, believability here, but also response? What is the, the way that, uh, that the, our country uh, ought to deal with the prospect of, um, uh, of of foreign interference in an election. What are the things that are being talked about? Well, I think for a long time when you've seen these issues, they've come down to, you know, what do Democrats say and what do Republicans say? Right. Uh, and with the election of Donald Trump, you actually kind of have three categories. <laughs> you have what do Trump Republicans and the Trump administration or incoming administration say? What do Democrats say and what do Republicans say? Uh, and at the moment, uh, Democrats and Republicans are agreeing uh, for the most part, that this needs to be investigated. And uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate, uh, as well as a, a bipartisan group of senators, put out a joint, a fairly rare joint statement over yes. the weekend saying we should do an investigation to figure out exactly what role Russia played and why. Um, there seems to be pretty broad agreement in the intelligence community that uh, that at least some of this hacking was tied to 
to the Russian government, uh, if not directly done by them, done by by people who have worked with the Russian government. Uh, you know, but 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 that motive question is really critical. Uh, you know, was this Russia continuing as they have in other Western countries, trying to undermine sort of democratic principles writ large, or were they trying to undermine the Democratic Party with a capital D here in the United States, and Hillary Clinton in particular? And frankly, it's going to be very hard to ferret out motives, uh, you know, for why this happened. And and it's very possible that the answer was both, uh, that undermining, you know, the the democratic process in the United States was was a sufficient victory. Uh, And if elevating a candidate who has been openly more sympathetic to Putin and Russia uh, than his opponent, uh, that could be just sort of a, you know, a a great secondary outcome. Uh, And and that seems to be, you know, uh, probably a question we're never going to have a very satisfying answer to. Yeah. Uh, What do people in Washington and the political infrastructure uh, in either party, what are some of the things they're suggesting would be an appropriate response if this did happen. I mean, uh, again, this is sort of unprecedented territory. Um, uh, certainly none of us uh, who are alive now could, could point to a similar uh, occurrence. What, what are some of the things that are being discussed? Well, you know, one of the issues is that, uh, you know, like what was not hacked, and it's important to think about it this way, was sort of government secrets, official government documents. These are, you know, one of these was uh, one of Clinton's uh, top campaign advisor's private Gmail account, uh, from which he'd done sort of business both for her and uh, supporting Obama all the way back to 2008. Uh, you know, uh, the other thing is the Democratic Party, which is different than than a government server. Sure. Uh, and so what you're looking at here is these sort of, you know, same things almost that the, the you know, physical terrorism has, has come uh, onto, which is that there are softer targets. There are things that you can go after that don't have the level of cybersecurity that, uh, you know, the government FBI servers have that can prove just as damaging. Uh, you know, I, you know, we're I'm I'm a reporter. I'm in the news business. So, you know, certainly you would think that media organizations would be among those types of sure. of softer targets. Yeah, uh, Aaron Reddish, uh, you, you and I have talked on this show many times about the relationship between uh, the U.S. and Russia, and specifically uh, the relationship that would unfold if Donald Trump were uh, were to be the president of the United States, given his. Um, I guess, strange admiration of of Vladimir Putin. How does this new news perhaps change the dynamic uh, that you and I have been talking about now for for several months? Um, I'm inclined to feel that it will not. Um, So (laughs) uh, with the appointment uh, or the nomination of Rex Tillerson, that seems to point more, uh, even stronger towards a detente relationship with with uh, Russia, where there will especially be one that features closer economic ties. Tillerson is most noted for his close work with Rosneft, the Russian oil company, mm-hmm. uh, making kind of a strong relationship with Exxon, uh, ExxonMobil and Rosneft uh, in the Arctic, as well as Siberia. And then, the, and then he's also worked in the, in the Caspian Sea. So it seems like there will be a stronger relationship economically, and I think Trump's idea is also to move that into into politics. Uh-huh. Um, so it seems to be kind of the same the same path forward as as we had expected. And and in terms of uh, diplomacy, then, and in terms of uh, uh, checking Russian aggression or or managing Russian aspirations, in I think it's the managing like the, yeah. the the Middle East. Does this? I mean, does that close economic relationship then? 
permit more, I suppose, uh, uh, U.S. recognition of or or reluctance to get involved in that Russian aggression. Yeah, to be determined. Uh, one of the uh, one of the challenges is going to be to bridge this this gap between economic relations and political or military relations. You can have a closer economic relationship with with uh, a country or with a business, but that doesn't mean that uh, that Russia won't um, you know support Assad or won't try to influence domestic politics of Montenegro, for example, yeah. uh, or Ukraine. And those are all going to be the challenges that, that the Trump administration is going to have to have to deal with. Um, and the United States has been burned before thinking that it could trust the Putin administration. And then uh, Russia has kind of turned away from kind of this trusting relationship. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Shane Goldmacher, a senior political reporter at Politico, uh, and Aaron Radish, a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. We are talking about uh, the headlines that suggest uh, the Russians did try to interfere in our presidential election on November 8th. Uh, that uh, Some of the things we saw with hacking and leaks uh, were indeed tied to uh, the Russian government, perhaps. Uh, the CIA says that's true. John, Donald Trump and John Bolton, one of his close advisors, uh, they say this is not true. This is all a manufactured issue by Democrats. What do you believe? Uh, do you believe that the Russians uh, were behind the things that we saw happening during the presidential campaign? And if so, what do you think we should do about it? What should be the domestic response uh, to that? And what does that mean internationally in terms of the relationship that the United States has with Russia? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. Again, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Robert in Clarkston. You're up first on Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Um, I just wanted to make two quick points about this uh, situation. Uh -huh. uh, number one is that while Russia may have hacked the DNC and John Podesta, that doesn't mean they were the only people who hacked the DNC and John Podesta. And WikiLeaks has actually claimed that their source is not Russia. So while Russia may have been gathering information, they weren't necessarily the ones who did the leaking. Right. That's the thing about hacking is if it's vulnerable to one person, it's vulnerable to anybody. So while they may have hacked it, it might not necessarily be them who released the information. And secondly, I want to mention that the CIA report um, from an anonymous U.S. official that came in this Washington Post story that sort of set all this off, this is the same kind of talk that we heard in 2002, 2003 mm -hmm. about aluminum tubes in Iraq. And we all know how that turned out. Congress was very on board with that, and, you know, that turned out to be it was a whole lot true. of nothing. Yeah, but, but uh, Robert, do you see a distinction uh, here between— uh, I think most people believe that the weapons of mass destruction error was indeed an error, uh, a miscalculation of, of intelligence— Whereas here, this would have to, this would almost have to be something more malicious uh, and purposeful. Do you not see a distinction there? Um, well, it's there is a bit of a distinction. Some people, and I'm not really sure where I've 
100% fall in this, believe that, you know, that it was an outright lie about all of the weapons of mass destruction intel and that they went ahead and presented it as a preface to war for whatever reason. But um, I think I think it's important to, you know, understand that, yes, Russia probably had a vested interest in this election, but, you know, it's not a whole lot of public evidence. It's just claims from some intelligence communities. And the FBI actually investigated uh, Donald Trump for connections to Russia uh, about a month ago, and they said there was nothing there at all. So this is uh, definitely a conflict in the information we're getting from the government. Yeah, sure. Uh, Robert, I I really appreciate uh, the call and and the thoughts there. Uh, Let's go to Mark in Detroit. Mark, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, good morning, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, I think, you know, we're kind of looking, I believe that we're looking way too far away from what maybe our problems are uh, with uh, elections. Uh Every time I vote in Detroit, and I voted in Detroit for over 40 years, and every time that I leave my precinct, I wonder, is my vote really going to get counted? (laughs) And this is is due to the efficiency and the competency of the workers that are there. And so I've been asking this question for a long time. Didn't my vote really count this time? Mark, uh, you know, uh, given the news uh, that came out uh, last week about the inability to recount uh, Detroit, some Detroit ballots because of mismatches in counts and uh, missing seals on on voting cases and things like that, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people uh, who feel exactly the way you do, those of us who vote in the city of Detroit, maybe sort of, uh, you know, throwing a, throwing a dart at a board, really, uh, deter, you know, depending on that vote to actually count. Um, have you ever seen anything specific, uh, Mark, that makes you feel like your vote was in jeopardy? We were either waiting to cast our ballot, uh-huh. uh, either in line uh, or leaving, that there's been not... Uh, there's always problems with my wife's name. She has a hyphenated last name. She's actually she's actually listed twice, and they can never figure it out, yeah. even though she's explained it every year. And these are the same people working at our precinct every year, yeah. and yeah. they just don't get it. Um, there's always has always been problems with matching that little registration slip you fill out when you come into the uh, precinct, and then before you get your ballot. There's always been discrepancies with numbers, um, you know, when I voted almost every year, you know, w- with the people voting in, in the room. Yeah. And that's why I question. I mean, in the end, is our vote really going to be counted by somebody yeah. and be worth something? Yeah. No, Mark, uh, great point. Great issue. Uh, something that I think is on lots of people's minds uh, right now. Thanks very much for that call. Let's go to Rob in Troy. Rob, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Um, you know, a couple of things about the, uh, the Russia situation. The, um, I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, we've seen a pattern with Trump where he, every time there's bad news that's significant that comes out, he jumps out ahead of it to try and discredit the source. Uh-huh. So uh, that's, you know, once again, we're seeing that as he's trying to discredit the CIA, even though nobody else in Washington, you know, bipartisan, uh, is is saying that this report is not true. So I think that you got to take that into consideration. And the second thing is, if if this in fact happened, if Russia did this, they didn't do this just for, you know just for the fun of it or just to test something. Nobody would undertake an effort like this unless there was something significant to be gained. And I think that's the central question we have to be asking: 
is why did they do this? Right. What is and to be gained? Right. Exactly. I'm going to take off, uh, go offline. So no, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the call, Rob uh, and, and, and Troy. Uh, Aaron Reddish, what's the answer to that question? Um, that's uh, so part of the Russian um, operations as the Russian way of, of doing and foreign policy under Putin has been to do uh, kind of both hybrid warfare, but also to try to do kind of a manipulation of kind of sending out their tentacles uh, to uh, interfere with um, countries that could be of their interest. Uh, so, uh, again, going back to Montenegro in October, uh, they, uh, the Russian nationalists tried to stage a coup during the elections there uh, because they wanted to, to disrupt uh, Montenegro's movement into NATO. Uh, they have... Um, Germany is now talking about how how there are hack, more hacking attempts uh, at, in their run up to the to the election. They have uh, uh, gone into the Polish stock market as they've uh, hacked in the stock market. They've hacked into uh, French newspapers. We think um, this is all kind of part of a larger policy of kind of spreading uh, spreading and trying to uh, interfere in foreign policy. Um, Russia is not alone in this, but it is uh, kind of one of their one of their marked uh, one of their marked ways of, of doing foreign policy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, I'll give you a chance to respond to Rob's question as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to speak one thing on a on a broader question, which uh-huh. is is the Trump the Trump worldview on Russia, um, because I think this is sort of overshadowing a lot of this, especially with the new Secretary of State announcement this morning of Rex Tillerson. You know, a lot of people close to Trump and, and Trump himself have talked about dealing with Russia in a far more positive and, and constructive fashion than than, than other Republicans and, and many Democrats. And one of the reasonings uh, has been that you know dealing with Russia in a in a more constructive fashion could help with other problems. They, they see basically Russia as less of a threat than ISIS, uh, as less of a threat than China. Um, and so some of the, the driving factors behind a Tillerson who might have closer ties to Putin than most American citizens uh, and certainly most potential leaders at the State Department is driven by that that world view. And I think it's sort of important to think about when you talk about, you know, this Russia hacking uh, that, you know, we we don't know their motives, uh, but but there is fairly broad agreement in the intelligence community that there were ties. Uh, you know, the hacking was at least tied to the Russian government in some fashion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Russia, Trump, and foreign policy, and we're going to want to get to more of those calls. So stay with us on the line, uh, Gene in Detroit, Frederick in Redford. Uh, we will get to you as well. And if you want to join the conversation, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. Stay with us on Detroit today. WDET brings Detroit to you. News that affects you and the music you love. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. (laughs) 
You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. My guests are Shane Goldmacher. He's a senior political reporter at Politico, and Aaron Reddish, who is a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. We are talking about the news that suggests the Russians were involved in some of the hacking that we saw go on during the presidential campaign, some of the leaks that came out uh, about Hillary Clinton uh, and others um, uh, were tied to Russian interference. Do you believe that that's true, even though it's the CIA who now appears to be saying it, although not with a cited source? Uh, Do you think that that's actually what happened? Do you think maybe this whole thing is a ploy by Democrats to distract uh, attention from Donald Trump's uh, win in the presidential election. And if you do believe that this happened, what do you think we ought to do about it? How does this implicate uh, the election results? How does this implicate our elections process? How does it implicate foreign policy, the relationships between the United States and Russia? Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Aaron uh, Reddish, in the break we were talking about what people are sort of uh, prone to believe here or or inclined to believe. And, uh, you know, I think we should make it clear that even what the CIA is saying or appears to be saying at this point doesn't reach to the point of Russian interference in the actual balloting. This is in the the campaign process. Although some people are talking about that, there is not uh, there is not evidence that that happened. Right. I have not seen any evidence, uh, nor has has uh, kind of, I guess the mainstream media talked about uh, credible credible evidence of. Uh, manipulation of actual ballots in the election. And that's a really important point to say. Uh, There have been two other things. One is the hacking of the DNC and of John Podesta's, uh, so the, the, uh, the DNC and then John Podesta's email, and then also this flurry of fake news, uh, which, uh, comes from, I mean, which is kind of its own beast uh, and comes both domestically and uh, through other agents. So those two are are important. The, the thing about the manipulation of the elections, though, there's absolutely no evidence, nor have I seen anyone try to imply yeah. um, with credible evidence that, yeah. that Russia manipulated the actual election. Yeah. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, are, are there people in Washington who seem to believe that uh, that this might extend to the interference in the balloting here? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that, yeah, this, this uh, the concerns about Russian hacking have extended to the emails and, and not to the balloting process itself. Uh, there has been no sort of serious um, discussions that, that this happened anywhere. Uh, there have been some recounts that have been ongoing pushed by, uh, you know, Jill Stein, the third party candidate with the Green Party. Uh, those so far have not shown, um, you know, anything that, that has come up that, that would suggest anything untoward uh, other than sort of a normal election. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to uh, join the conversation. 313-577-1019. Let's go to Chris in Macomb Township. Chris, welcome to Detroit. Yeah. Hey, how's it going today? Yeah. Yeah. Good. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, I did catch the uh, interview that uh, Donald Trump did on Sunday morning. Um, And he said that the CIA doesn't know who did it. The uh, who was the next person that they said they they didn't know who did it. Uh, they don't know if China did it. They don't know if uh, somebody did it. But in this whole conversation, not once did he deny that it never happened. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think everyone agrees that there was. Uh, there's no question that there was hacking that uh, produced these emails and and other things that uh, we saw from WikiLeaks and, and places like that. But, you know, the, the question really is who who did it, right? Um, you know, whether it was the Russians or, or someone else. Um, but it sounds to me, Chris, like you, you have made up your mind <laughs> for sure that, uh, uh, that, that there is some interference in, in our process here. Well, just if, if the shoe was on the other foot... And Hillary Clinton had one. Uh-huh. How loud do you think Donald Trump would be complaining and whining and pointing fingers? He'd be pointing fingers at everybody all around the world. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's no question that uh, his his reaction to this would have been very, very different. Uh, if, if, as you point out, if the shoe had been on the other foot, uh, Chris, thanks very much. Uh, for that, uh, for that uh, call and for those thoughts, uh, let's go to Michelle in Detroit. Michelle, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, this is Michelle. Hey, go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, I just wanted to point out, you know, where we were at before the election, where Trump admitted that he wasn't going to accept auction re- uh, election results unless he was the winner, and now <laughs> here we have evidence from the CIA that suggests there may have been some tampering that needs to be looked into. And he refused to accept even that possibility, even though he himself provoked it. And I just think we have to be so vigilant with this guy because I think he believes what he says, and he's just able to discard evidence that works against him and um, keep focusing on what reinforces you know, his superiority. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he provoked this stuff and then refuses to accept that it may have played <laughs> a role. I don't know if it, if it goes so far as to having tilted the results, but I think... It bears looking into and, and acknowledging. Right. Yeah, Can I actually um, go jump ahead. in here? I think this is a, a really interesting point. I mean, first of all, again, to reiterate, it's really important to remember that that there's no evidence of the Russians or anyone else of actually interfering with the ballots. But I think we can take a step back and, and ask ourselves, why are we so concerned about Russian influence in hacking and in the news and what that actually says about... Uh, either acceptance of the results or kind of the larger politics of the United States. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when you're talking about the hacking and the idea of influencing the elections, how much I think we need to think about how much the WikiLeaks actually did influence opinion. Um, because, I mean, that's and then, I mean, all of this is also pointing to a larger question of, of are we just trying to go make Russia the boogeyman again, as we did in the Cold War. It's kind of an old standard, uh, our old, our, you know, the old Boris and Natasha, rather than kind of larger, <laughs> kind of internal 
conversations that we should have about about our own politics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, I'm I'm curious about the role that Congress seems prepared to play here in pushing for an investigation. Uh, What are we hearing? Uh, that they're pushing toward one, uh, especially on the Senate side. Uh, I think we said at the top of the hour that uh, Senator Mitch McConnell has agreed, but John McCain is is talking about leading it through his committee that he heads in the Senate, and he has bipartisan support. So you have the Democratic leader and the Republican leader together uh, saying that they want to get to the bottom of exactly what Russia did and what they intended and the extent of the breach. There's been some reports from the CIA that uh, that the Republican Party was also hacked and that those emails were not released. This has been denied by the Republican Party, which said that there is no evidence that they were ever hacked, and they disagree with that assessment, and they say the FBI has told them they were not hacked. So some disagreements over what, what happened materially in regards to the, the Republican Party. Um, I just want to say one other thing about the, the election results. I think uh-huh. that there are, there are you know, two things that, c- that can be true simultaneously and not related to each other, which is that uh, you know, the preponderance of evidence shows that Ru- Russia engaged in, in some kind of hacking operation to, to undermine the election, and Hillary Clinton lost. Uh, but those aren't necessarily directly related. Uh, you know, the, the Russian hacking didn't have Hillary Clinton never campaign in Wisconsin, a state that she lost, right. uh, or spend almost no money or time in Michigan, a state that she lost, uh, even as the states surrounding those states, Ohio uh, and Iowa, uh, were the two toughest states for her in the country. Her team knew for months that those were the battlegrounds she was likeliest to lose. Uh, and yet the states that touched on them and have similar demographics and have uh, a large size of, of working class white voters, um, they didn't pay as much attention to. They tried to expand their map to other states, to Florida, uh, to North Carolina, and, and states that Trump had to win those states, and they could have beaten him by winning there. But they, you know, but there was a there was paths for them without those states, uh, unlike a Michigan and a, a Wisconsin, which sure. when those fell, the the race was over. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really great uh, that's a really great point. Uh, let's take one more call here, Frederick in Redford. Welcome to Detroit yeah. today. How you, how you guys doing? Good. How are you? Um, you know, it, it appears to, very obvious to me anyway that they, the smoking gun is Donald, Donald Trump's taxes. That would probably reveal his connection with Russia and, and various other countries. Um, and nobody's talking about that. <laughs> that right there would reveal so much information, and you would have a clear, at least a clear disposition of where to approach this guy becoming our president. Yeah. Because it's very obvious if if there's nothing there, then you know let's move forward. Right. But if there's some there, you got the smoking gun, and you actually have his shot. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea, Frederick. I want to get our panelists to respond to that. Aaron Reddish, how how likely will we see his connection to Russia or connections to the Russian government through his tax returns? I have no idea about the yeah. tax returns. Um, Trump does has has had a history of business. he has business deals with right Russian uh, interests. I mean both the uh, his beauty pageant and they also tried to do some real estate deals uh, in uh, in Russia both in Moscow and then elsewhere uh, and he's tried to increase investment in in Russia so he does have a pattern of business in Russia but uh, not 
exclusively just Russia. Right, so. right. Shane Goldmacher, uh, the, the, the tax return question is one that, that does still haunt uh, Donald Trump, but he seems to have made it through the campaign without doing it. I think there's very little po- possibility that now that he is going to be the president that he will comply with that. Uh, uh, do, do people believe, though, that his tax returns would be sort of uh, illuminative about uh, uh, these kind of issues? Uh, well, I just want to say I agree with you that the, the hope, hope dims for, for those being released. Uh, but I will point out that it, his campaign team said the day after the election, and so that they've helped with post-election, that they would release his tax returns when the audit is done. It's the kind of thing here in D.C. that we hope to, to hold them to account for. Yeah. Uh, I'm not necessarily hopeful that they will follow through on that, but uh, uh, they certainly have continued to say that they will ultimately release his tax returns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that uh, it, it's not clear even the extent to which it would uh, show details of, of any ties he has there. Um, but it couldn't possibly hurt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Shane Goldmacher, senior political reporter at Politico, and Aaron Reddish, history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. As always, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Pleasure. Absolutely. All right, up next, we're going to talk to a reporter who was recently in North Dakota to report on the Standing Rock protests. Stay with us on Detroit Today. 